hope you guys have had a good weekend. I'm on a monster jam hangover right now with the kids. A lot of popcorn. I realized walking up to the back of the building this morning was like, I think I just had popcorn yesterday. I think that's all I ever had. And I'm not sure. Um, I love that song. That song gets me. It got me today. That's for sure. Uh, I mean, just the the idea that all of that is real. That happened. Uh, and, and it's going to happen. You know, just, I can't start. I got to stop. I got to preach. Uh, let me uh, let me say this uh, just real quick, and, and Ben will probably touch on this later. I just want to make mention of it because I've had so many people talk to me and ask me questions about the Hope Center stuff. Oh, for those of you that knew, Hope Center is a sober living house. It's a, well, it's a ministry, and they do sober living houses uh, with churches, uh, Bible-believing churches that um, uh, become sponsoring churches for these homes. And uh, these folks will, uh, we, we are doing one of those. We've already raised the money. We're working on our way toward it. Um, but uh, one of the pieces of the puzzle is, I've uh, had several people ask, you know, how can I be involved? And really this is for men uh, because it's going to be a men's house. Uh, and again, we do hope later to do a ladies' house as well. Uh, but um, for men that are interested uh, in becoming Bible study leaders slash counselors, now, let me preface that with saying this. Uh, they show you how to do that stuff, and they're basically going to give you a book that just that you literally can just, you could, if you can read and look people in the eye, I guess technically you could read and stare at the floor, whatever. Uh, you can do this, okay? Uh, but if you're wanting to get one-on-one, we're looking for guys that would be willing to, to uh, be a part of doing that and be digging into these folks' lives uh, and uh, and it's very flexible schedule-wise as to when uh, you would be doing that. They work with you, and so we're looking for people willing to give their name, phone number, I think email, and then they're, they'll contact you and kind of vet you out. And what they're going to do is, here's the hope, is that you could go ahead and start doing this in the Hope Center house that is between Springfield and Jolton. Uh, and then so when... Uh, end of this year, beginning of next year, when we actually have, you know, have started our own Hope Center, uh, you would basically just kind of transfer. You would already be used to doing it. We'd already have uh, a group of men that are doing that, uh, and you just switch over to uh, the new house. And so just something to think about. There's a sign-up. I'm sure it's online. I'm sure it's on the app. I'm sure it's on all the things. Uh, Ben will cover all that, but uh, I just wanted to Wanted to make mention of it, so uh, we're excited uh, about that coming in the in the days, uh, hopefully very soon. Uh, there and and some people said, you know, what I haven't heard anything since then. Well, here's why: they're they're really busy opening other hope centers, <laughs> and so we're just kind of patiently waiting our place in line. Uh, there's like four or five other churches in front of us that uh, had already kind of you know anted up and got their stuff ready, and so uh, we're we're coming after them. But it's coming; it's all coming. So. Um, anyway, if, uh, if you've got a Bible, let's go ahead and get it out. If you don't have a Bible, our ushers will bring you one. Just throw your hand in the air and wave it like you just don't care, and, and uh, they'll get you one, and we'd love for you to have it. Uh, we're going to the book of Matthew today, book of Matthew. And so we've been uh, in this uh, study on Peter for the last several weeks. And, uh, man, I've got to be honest with you, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's definitely getting me. I'm, I'm loving it. So uh, I hope that uh, the Lord is speaking to you like he's been speaking to me and uh, this is one of those. This is one of those passages that uh, I feel like 
you know, if not careful, just go ahead and throw that thing at him. He'll be all right. Uh, uh, <laughs> uh, this is one of those, definitely one of those passages that, uh, you know, could, uh, you know, make you go, oh man, I don't know if I can teach that because I, I don't know if I fully understand it. I'm going to teach it today and I don't know if I fully understand it. Uh, and that's okay. Uh, and I pray that the Lord, uh, will speak to our hearts as we, as we study his word today, uh, in that. But, uh, Matthew chapter 17 specifically is where we're going today. And, and uh, we have this passage that's known as the transfiguration uh, of Jesus. And, uh, of course, we're studying through the life of Peter. And as we've been studying through the life of Peter, you know, one of the things that, uh, you know, I made this statement last week, you know, I know we're studying about Peter, but it's always about Jesus. So, you know, we're, we're, we're getting to Jesus through, you know, Peter's eyes a little bit, I think, is the way I've been looking at this series. And so, uh, you know, and I love Peter because, and I've said this, you know, and I'll say it again, you know, Peter reminds me of me. Uh, you know, he reminds me of a guy who, you know, probably feels like at times he's got it figured out. And then it, and then, you know, I mean, just about as soon as he thinks he's got it figured out, Jesus is like, nope, I'm going to show you something else here. Check this out. And this is definitely a Jesus Hey, check this out passage right here, uh, the transfiguration. And it's crazy because this is a word that I really, you know, we only use almost, uh, you know, with just this passage of Scripture. Uh, this passage is seen, uh, you know, here and in Mark. I'm going to uh, look at a little bit of the Mark passage while we're in it today and kind of study on that as well. But uh, <clears throat> this passage in Peter, Peter 17, uh, you know, shows us a a glimpse into one of the things that we see uh, in the life of Jesus, uh, in the fact that, you know, he's, of course, got his 12 disciples, but then despite him having 12 disciples, he also kind of has like an inner three, you know, and that ends up being Peter, James, and John, which works out good for a series on Peter. Uh, And so uh, there are moments that only Peter, James, and John get to go with Jesus for something that's going to happen. This is one of those instances. Uh, the other instances uh, is uh, Jarius's daughter. If you remember, he healed, Jesus heals her. She's dead and then you know, brings her back to life, all this. Uh, and then also uh, at Gethsemane. And so, uh, you know, and we'll be talking about Gethsemane in the weeks ahead. Uh, but today, I wanted to discuss this particular passage. And this is, you know, this is kind of taken going backwards in the, in the grand scheme of historical, if you want to, you know, go about it like that. And, and, and in my head, a little bit, I've been, I've been approaching the series a little bit as it's happening. Uh, but, you know, last week we studied, you know, Peter um, through the eyes of, you know, Jesus washing their feet uh, at the Lord's Supper and all of that. Well, that happens after this. And, you know, so it's kind of fell out of line, but I, I wanted it to fall out of line because I, I thought it would be fitting for us to study that on a week that we, we were taking communion together, which we did last week. So that being said, uh, this week we're studying, uh, we're going backwards and we're studying this and we'll pick up another couple passages before we get back uh, in line with the uh, historical timeline, if you will. All right, Matthew chapter 17, let's jump into it. Verse 1, it says this. It says, And after six days, Jesus took with him Peter and James and John, his brother, and led them up a high mountain by themselves. And he was transfigured before them. And his face shone like the sun, and his clothes became white as light. And behold, 
there appeared to them Moses and Elijah talking with him. And Peter said to Jesus, Lord, it is good that we are here. If you wish, I will make three tents here, one for you and one for Moses and one for Elijah. And he was still speaking when, behold, a bright cloud overshadowed them, and a voice from the cloud said, This is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. Listen to him. When the disciples heard this, they fell on their faces and were terrified. But Jesus came and touched them, saying, Rise and have no fear. And when they lifted up their eyes, they saw no one but Jesus only. Now, I want to I look at this much, and then we'll keep going. Um, man, uh, this whole thing, I mean, just the sight of this. And this is one of those passages that I think for those of us that maybe have grown up in church, we've heard this passage before, maybe we've studied on it before. I don't think, I don't, I just feel like, especially after studying a little bit on it this week, I just feel like this is a passage we haven't studied enough. Uh, I feel like it's one of those things that's like, you know, we have all of these, like, I mean, like I call them felt board moments for those that grew up in the 80s in Sunday school. You know what I'm talking about? Felt board moments. Like we got, you know, Noah and the ark and here's all the, you know, the animals and we're sticking them on the board and all this kind of stuff. I mean, really, this is like, I don't know how we're going to felt board this, but I mean, it, it's, this is nuts. This is nuts. I mean, first of all, we're seeing the glory of Jesus. Okay, you know, well, these guys are anyway, <laughs> you know, these guys, Peter, James, and John are getting in this moment to see the glory of Jesus and not just that, <laughs> but Moses and Elijah show up. They're dead. Okay, you know, I mean, they're alive in Christ, you know, don't get me wrong, you know, but they're dead. They're, they're gone. They're, they're in the, you know, the earthly grave anyway at this point. But by a long time, you know, and here they come on the scene and we're not, I don't feel like we're making a big enough deal about this or something. You know, I'm like, you know, if the Ghostbusters were in town, you know, this would be huge. Like we'd get out Ecto-1, the whole thing, you know, this, this sequence of events that happens here, obviously Jesus, you know, uh, takes the three of these guys with him up on the mountain. We believe this mountain to probably be Mount Hermon, which is just outside of Galilee. And, uh, you know, and, and again, takes just the three, the three fellows with him. And then in verse two, it says, it says, and he was transfigured before them and his face shone like the sun and his clothes became bright as light. And behold, there appeared to them, Moses and Elijah talking with them. So first of all, we've got Jesus in this moment of the transfiguration where he's kind of sort of, you know, no pun intended, shedding his skin a bit here and showing who he really is and really even this reminder of who he has always been and has been kind of suppressing, you know, for I think we could go with, you know, the humility that Paul talks about in Philippians where he humbled himself to become a man to the point of death, even on a cross, but that whole humbling himself to become a man, it was like, you know, well, I can't send Jesus, my son, to go into the world and, and, and be like this all the time, but this is more of who he is. This is, 
you know, we're, we're seeing, and, and, and I would venture to say probably just a glimpse even of God's glory in him, you know, you know, in this moment, you know, what we're seeing that, that, <laughs> that he is God and that in this moment, they're getting to see just a small smidgen of who he really is. And his face shone like the sun and his clothes became bright as light. Now, if you go to, to the book of Mark, the book of Mark actually says uh, in verse 3 that his clothes became, this is not up there, it says, and his clothes became radiant, intensely white, as no one on earth could bleach them. Read that again. His clothes became radiant, intensely white, as no one on earth could bleach them. So here's where, here's where the writer, here's where Matthew is basically trying to help the reader, the listener, to understand that what is being seen and what has been communicated to him is something that is not of this earth. Like what's happening in this moment, like the coloration alone is a color that he can't put into words, and he's saying it's so crazy, it's not something that could even, you know, it's not something that we on earth could even do, even if we bleached them. And he goes on in verse 4, it says, and they appeared to them, Elijah and Moses, and they were talking with Jesus. Now, we'll go back to that in just a minute. Um, you know, on top of, and this is why I love, you know, getting to study the Gospels, because we get to, you know, bounce between and see, if, you know, the nuances of the different things that the different ones got to hear uh, when they were writing uh, about Christ's life. Uh, you know, but here in uh, Matthew, of course, we have this extra piece, and his face shone like the sun, uh, and his clothes became white as light. So, uh, the clothing thing obviously lines up with, you know, what we're talking about, but then there's also this, you know, like element of his face being like the sun. Um, you know, I don't know when the last time was you stared at the sun, you know, this feels like a hair, you know, the, uh, Harry Carey bit with Will Ferrell, uh, you know, but I mean, you know, just the thought of like how crazy bright the sun is, is nuts. I mean, when we really think about it and the fact that the sun gives life, to everything living even on earth, you know, that there's that piece scientific, you know, uh, on that end of, of the spectrum. I mean, it's just crazy, you know, to think about this. And so he, you know, again, he's trying, they're trying to use words to help us understand what this is like. But really, you know, in this situation, I think what we're seeing is, is again, they've, they've gone up to here and, and we believe that it's probably in the evening, uh, you know, and so for us to imagine this brightness that is shown in this moment is a huge thing because what? It overcomes the dark. It says, and he was transfigured before them and his face shone like the sun and his clothes became white as light. Now, you know, here's here to me is just an interesting piece. And I'm thinking back through the Old Testament, thinking about you know, the different situations where, uh, you know, God shows his glory, which isn't that often, right? It's not an everyday occurrence. Uh, but in this situation, one of the things that comes to mind, of course, is, of course, Moses. You know, God, show me your glory, Moses says. And, of course, he does, but then he still hides his face, you know, and so he gets like a reflection of the light, now, whatever Moses was looking for, you know, all those years before, not that he hadn't seen it in death, probably, but, you know, he's getting it here because they're getting to see 
This happened with Jesus. And, and here, I'm just, I'm just imagining being one of the three. Let's just go with Peter. I'm just imagining being Peter in that moment. And in fact, we're going to see Peter having a response. Peter always has a response, right? And, and, you know, what we're seeing here in this moment is them terrified, terrified, you know? Uh, in fact, verse 3, it says, And behold, there appeared to them Moses and Elijah talking with him, so as if it's not enough that the glory of God is being shown through Jesus in this moment, here comes two of our dead heroes on the scene. And, and I mean, they recognize who it is like immediately, you know. And I'm going to guess that it's not because they had like great sketch artists back then. You know, there, there's something more. But I mean, they knew, they knew this is Moses and Elijah. And in this moment, this is so crazy. In verse 4, and it says, And Peter said to Jesus, Lord, it is good that we are here. If you wish, I will make three tents here, one for you and one for Moses and one for Elijah. You know, and, and just to be honest, I think that this, this whole moment is just Peter just scared out of his mind, you know? And I get that because I, I read in Mark's account, and let's go read that. In verse 5 it says, And Peter said to Jesus, Rabbi, it is good that we are here let us make three tents, one for you and one for Moses and one for Elijah. And then in verse 6 it says, For he did not know what to say, for they were terrified. That's how we know they were terrified, okay? So, that, I mean, he's just, he's just, I mean, just super scared. Super scared in this moment. And I'm going, what is the deal with the tents? Like, Right? Like, what is going on? Like, like this, is, this was what you came up with? And, I, I, and, I've got, and I'll be honest with you, I don't have a full explanation of the tense. I, I think what we've got is I think that we've got a moment where he's scared and he's falling back on what he knows. This is what we do when we're scared, right? In moments where we are in fear and we are scared, we fall back on what we are good at. And so it's almost like, you know, if, if you've ever been to like a family dinner, I know none of your families fight, but let's just pretend that they might have. If you've ever been to like a family dinner with like all the extended family, if you have such a thing or whatever, I know a lot of people don't, and that's okay. Uh, you know, it's not okay, but you know what I'm saying. Golly, that's a hole I just dug. Uh, but, you know, the, the idea that, you know, we're all there, and some people start fighting within the family, and then, you know, Granny's over here, and what's she do? Oh, well, uh, I'm making up some mashed potatoes for you guys. You know, y'all just, here, let's just eat some mashed potatoes, you know? And, and I, think, I, think, I think a couple things, and, I, and I'm, I'm not the Lord, okay? So I'm not full on, like, completely understanding the tent thing. But I think a couple things. I think, first of all, this is a trade that he knew well, and he's just trying to, like, find his place in the moment, He's looking for a purpose. Peter's looking for purpose in the moment. And this, maybe, maybe that's you right now in life in some way, shape, or form. Maybe, maybe you're trying to find purpose in the moment of your life right now. I think that's part of where Peter was. I think he was looking for purpose in the moment, and he falls back on, well, I, I know how to make a great tent, so... How about, I, how about I fix you guys up some tents? 
And I'm guessing that we're going to be here for a while, and this is going to be an extended party because this is awesome, right? And we're scared to death. I don't know. Maybe he's trying to, like, put him in the tents or something so he doesn't have to, you know, I don't know. Either way, this is an amazing moment in Scripture. This is amazing. This is an amazing moment in history. When else do we see Jesus bring in a couple of dead guys to be a part of what's going on? Why would he do this? Did the Father do this for Jesus to, you know, kind of, you know, as a part of like this moment preparing him before he's going to, you know, give his life? You know, I, I don't think Jesus needed that. He's still Jesus. He's still God, right? You know, I'm sure he enjoys the encouragement and he gets some actually from the Father in this passage of Scripture. But I think really what we see is that this is more about the disciples that are with him. Jesus is Jesus. Jesus knew this was going to happen. Jesus asks the three to come along. Hey, Peter, James, and John, you guys come with me. We're going to go up on this mountain. And Moses and Elijah come. And the glory of God is shown through Jesus. And in that moment, I'm just thinking, no wonder these guys were terrified. They're probably wondering, what's next? I mean, what's next? There's nothing off the table at this moment. You get that, right? Like if they ever had a doubt in their mind before this moment that Jesus was Lord, in this moment, it should be gone. Any doubt should be gone out the window. Because, I mean, in this moment, the glory of God, two dead heroes on the scene, we're having a party all Peter knows to do is offer up some tents, you know. And in verse 5 it says, He was still speaking when, behold, a bright cloud overshadowed them. And a voice from the cloud said, This is my beloved Son with whom I am well pleased. Listen to Him. If I'm the disciples at this point, I'm just like, Well, it's whatever goes today. Man, this is crazy. Right? So we've got the sun and God's glory and Moses and Elijah and now we've got the Father in a cloud, right? And this is definitely like in line with all these moments that we see in the Old Testament of the presence of God following people and all this kind of stuff with a cloud and that sort of thing. And, and then God speaks, you know, a similar, you know, statement as to the baptism of Jesus where, you know, he just, he just says, this is my beloved son with whom I am well pleased. Listen to him. And again, why? Does Jesus need the encouragement? Jesus is allowing these three guys, one of which is Peter, of course, to be a part of this scenario. And I think it's really for them. I think it's really for us. I think it's really that in this moment that they would know without a shadow of a doubt who Jesus really is. That they, would, they wouldn't have any question whatsoever. And not only that, 
he knew these guys will be great eyewitnesses. These guys will be great to go and tell the world of what they have seen in Jesus, the Son of God. That they will tell this story. That people will hear it. That people will believe. Saul leads back to Jesus. Furthermore, furthermore, this is, I think this is a super important piece of this. You know, this is very strategic. Moses and Elijah. You know, with Moses and Elijah being a part of the picture here, what we have is we have representation from the law and we have representation from the prophets. Uh, you know, and so again, all pointing toward Jesus, really I think what we're seeing here is we're having this like crazy biblical moment of how all the scriptures are pointing together that this is the Messiah. This is Jesus, which is how we see scripture as a whole anyway, that it's the story of God from the beginning to the end, and that really the Old Testament's all pointing forward to Jesus, and the New Testament's all pointing back to Jesus, because it's really all about Jesus. And really, in this moment, is this you know, for these guys has to be a realization, if they didn't have it before now, that God is fulfilling all the promises. He's trying to make clear to all the people, or to these people in this moment, to the rest of the people later on from the testimony of this happening, um, who Jesus is and why he's come. And that he's the one that was talked about all through the prophecies of all through the Old Testament. And in verse 5, the Father comes in a cloud and says, This is my beloved Son with whom I am well pleased. Listen to him. And I think right there what we see is, is again, it's just a furthering of like, guys, if you had a doubt of what's happening in this moment, I know you're probably scared to death, but, you know, just to make sure you understand, this is my Son. This is the Messiah. Interesting to me is what happens in the rest of the passage. Verse 6, it says, When the disciples heard this, they fell on their faces and were terrified. But Jesus came and touched them, saying, Rise and have no fear. Rise and have no fear. You know, Jesus is just saying, basically, what he's saying so many times throughout Scripture. Hey, trust me. Trust me. You know, and, and, and just, in, just in thinking about that statement, I, I ask myself this question, how many times in my life do I need to hear Jesus say to me, trust me, trust me, not you, trust me, you know? And I think, like Peter, I'm not picking on Peter, but I think like Peter for most of us in crazy moments of life, we just fall back to like, what, okay, what, what, can I, what can I do right now? What can I do to fix this right now? What if I told you you can't do anything to fix right now? What if I told you that you can't? What are you going to do about that? I mean, you can make yourself a great pity party, and there's a time for that, no doubt. But what if I just said Jesus is saying to you today, Trust me. 
rise and have no fear. Maybe that's what you need to hear today. Maybe you need to hear rise and have no fear. We all have those days. Sometimes we have those months or those years, right? And in verse 8, it goes on and says, And when they lifted their eyes, they saw, check this out, no one but Jesus only. And I'm, I'm thinking, these guys probably losing their minds. <laughs> They're probably rubbing their eyes, you know. Jesus. It's all about Jesus. It's not about Moses and Elijah. It's not about what Peter can do. I mean, basically, as soon as Peter gets the words out of his mouth, you know, about doing this other, here comes the cloud. Here comes the Father. He's like, you know, we're going we're gonna to make sure that no one thinks this is about them or anybody else except Jesus. And when they get back up and they lift their eyes, they see only Jesus. If only Jesus is left, we're still good. You know that, right? Because he's it. He's enough. He's enough. Verse 9 goes on. I want to read the rest of this passage here. Verse 9 says, And as they were coming down the mountain, Jesus commanded them, Tell no one the vision until the Son of Man is raised from the dead. And the disciples asked him, Then why do the scribes say that first Elijah must come? He answered, Elijah does come, and he will restore all things. But I tell you that Elijah has already come, and they did not recognize him, but did to him whatever they pleased. So also the Son of Man will certainly suffer at their hands when the disciples understood that he was speaking to them of John the Baptist. Now, let's talk about this for a minute. I, I, I felt like we needed to complete the, the passage here in teaching this. And so, in verse 9, you know, what we see is we see Jesus basically just a basic, you know, request to the three guys. He's like, okay, guys, you know, now that you've seen the glory, <laughs> you've seen Moses and Elijah back from the grave, uh, you've seen the presence of God, and you've heard his voice speaking about me. Uh, I want you to keep that under wraps. We're going to go with secret time, right? And so he says, I want you guys to hang on to this information until the Son of Man is raised from the dead, so till after the resurrection of Christ, and then tell whoever you want, Right? And then in verse 10 it says, And the disciples asked him, why did, the why did the scribes say that Elijah must come? So, you know, here's where they're going back to a passage from Malachi chapter 4, verse 5. And in that passage it says this. It says, Behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the great and awesome day of the Lord comes. Okay? So this is, uh, you know, obviously Scripture. We understand that. Uh, but... The scribes were taking this literally. Now, the truth is, is Jesus had actually already kind of covered, you know, this whole thing. And, and basically, Jesus says right here in the passage, he, he teaches them something he's already taught. Again, we'll go back to another passage in just a minute. But, you know, here he teaches them 
you know, hey, you know, and verse, uh, verse 11, he says, and he answered, Elijah does come, he will restore all things, but I tell you that Elijah has come, and they did not recognize him, but did to him whatever they pleased, so the Son of Man will certainly suffer at their hands. And so what Jesus is saying, he's saying Elijah's already come. And of course, for them, I'm sure, in, in right at the beginning of that, they might be having like a what moment, you know? But then they've already been taught this. So I think that they were just struggling with the fact we just saw Elijah. He's, he, he was here, you know? Is this the Malachi 4 moment that we're having right now? You know? What's happening here, Jesus? You know? But Jesus had already taught them clearly what was going to happen, and we see that in Matthew chapter 11, verse 13. And in Matthew chapter 11, this has happened before Matthew 17, right? Matthew 11, Jesus already taught this. And he says in Matthew 11, verse 13, it says, For all the prophets and the law prophesied until John, and if you are willing to accept it, he is Elijah who is to come. So this is Jesus clarifying what Malachi was prophesying, and we got to give Malachi a little credit here because, I mean, you know, I don't, I don't, you know, could have been from a dream or whatever it may have been that he's pinning this, you know, that God spoke to him. But really, this was more about, Malachi's prophecy was more about the prediction of someone to come that wasn't Elijah literally, but someone with a prophetic ministry like him. Kent Hughes says, much like a future David wouldn't be David. The future David that's talked about in the Old Testament is who? It's Jesus, right? So same kind of idea. And Malachi's prophecy being fulfilled was about John the Baptist, or JTB if you want to go with his initials right there, right? I feel like JTB is really good initials. I don't know. Reminds me of taking care of business, but it's just John the Baptist, right? And in verse 13, it says, Then the disciples understood that he was speaking to them of John the Baptist. Then the disciples understood that he was speaking of John the Baptist. Oh, man, if we could understand all the things, wouldn't that be so great? And, and here's the truth. Uh, let me, let me, and let me say this. If you're a newer Christian, it is, it's easy to fall into a trap of believing and thinking, well, one day I hope to, you know, be like that person who has it all figured out. Well, first of all, <laughs> there's no people here that have it all figured out, Okay. The process of sanctification, working through our salvation, goes through the rest of our lives, us on the pursuit of understanding the gospel and who Jesus is and what he's done and what God is doing and what he's calling us to and all these things, right? It's a process, and it's for the rest of our lives, and we're all on it. And I don't care who it is, be the best Bible teacher that you've ever met or heard in your life, and I'm still here to tell you that if... They got their head screwed on straight. They're going to tell you they don't have it all figured out. If they do, run the other way, okay? 
after this passage, and we're not reading this passage, but after this passage is another passage of what was happening while Jesus was with the three on the mountain, showing his glory, hanging out with Elijah and Moses, and then also hearing from the Father while, Jesus, while uh, Peter's offering to build some tents. I know. And in this passage after this, we see Jesus and, and the three go back to the other disciples to find what they've been dealing with. You know, Jesus and the three amigos head back to what they've been dealing with, and it's basically there's a boy that's been battling a demon, okay? And I want to, and I'm, I'm only mentioning that because I want to share with you, and I don't know who, I'm, and I need to look into it. I don't know who the writer is of the uh, uh, Gospel Transformation Study Bible, but the commentary on it, it especially in, in this, in Matthew, is so good. Whoever the writer is, God bless him. Uh, he says this about this, these two passages together. He says, the two incidents recorded in in chapter 17, 1 through 20, provide a striking example for all believers. Having just had his glory revealed on the Mount of Transfiguration, Jesus did not hesitate to then immediately become involved in our world of pain and shame, and he focused on the diseased child Glory did not distract Jesus from compassion. Rather, compassion for the hurting became an expression of his glory. I'll read that last piece again. Glory did not distract Jesus from compassion. Rather, compassion for the hurting became an expression of his glory. Jesus showed his glory... Physically, but then he showed it in how he went and served and intervened in the lives of these people trying to help this boy. And just to think, it's not just in who Jesus is, God him that he's God himself. But part of that is that he cares about us. He cares about us. If I ever wanted somebody that I could trust, if I ever wanted somebody that said the words to me, trust me, and that I knew that I could, I could rely on those words, it's Jesus. That he cares. He cares. Maybe you need to hear that today. Maybe you need to be reminded today. Maybe you already knew, but maybe you just need to hear it today. He cares, right? More than anyone, he cares. And he's inviting you today to cast all of your cares on him. All the burdens, lay them at his feet. And he's saying, trust me, rise, have no fear. Let's roll. Let's do this. And these three guys, who Jesus knew would most likely be the guys to get the word out when the time was right, to be believed by all the people, allowed them to see a little bit, probably just a little bit, tiny, teeny fraction of a bit of his glory 
and be on the scene when all these things are happening. And seeing his glory reminds us of who he is, reminds us of what he's done for us, and what he's going to do in the future. Folks, Jesus came and gave his life. He paid the debt that we owed death for our sin. Not because we deserve it, but because he cares, because he loves us, because it brings him glory, points other people to him so that they too can believe and be saved. Revelation 22 verse 4 says this. It says, they will see his face and his name will be on their foreheads and night will be no more. They will need no light or lamp or sun, for the Lord God will be their light, and they will reign forever and ever. There will be no need for light, for lamp, for the sun, because God will be there. And he will light it forever. He will light it forever. I think what we see with Peter in this passage is I think we see Peter looking for a purpose. We all do this in moments, especially when we get scared. Peter was scared. These guys were scared. Peter's looking for a purpose. He's trying to find, why, find out why he's there. And at the end of the day, it wasn't about Peter. And it wasn't about Moses and Elijah. It was always about Jesus. Today, if you have never trusted him to be your Savior, I encourage you today to believe. Call on him today and say, Say, Jesus, save me today. God, save me today. Thank you for sending your son. If you'd like to talk about what that means, I'll be out in the foyer as soon as I walk off the stage. I would love to pray with you about what it means to believe in Jesus. If he's tugging on your heart today, don't ignore it. Run. Run to, run to me. Let's, let's talk. Let's pray. Let's hang out and think on things that are Jesus. Let's pray together. God, we thank you for your word. And God, as we as your believers are trying to find our purpose in this world, God, I pray that you would show us that it's you. It's your glory. It's to make you know. God, help us to see that today. Help us to live that out daily. May others know you because they know us. God, I pray that that would be our prayer. I pray that that would be how we walk in this world that others would know you because they know us. May they see you because they see us. Father, for anyone that has never believed and trusted in you, God, I pray that today would be the day that they would rise and have no fear. I pray that today would be the day that they would put all their trust and faith in you. God, thank you. Thank you for what you've done for us. Thank you 
for the cross. Thank you for an empty tomb. God, thank you for revealing your glory in small glimpses along the way. Even if we haven't gotten to see it yet, God, I pray, Lord, that you would be, that you would use us to show your glory to others. God, it may not look like the bright white lights. It may not look like the sun. God, I just pray it looks like you. Glimpses of you. God, use us. May your love permeate through us to be a part of shaping and changing this world. Thank you, Lord, for your son, Jesus. We pray all this today. Amen.